When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Hey, Freak Family, it is good to see you once again. And we can see you through your phone. Why aren't you wearing pants? <laughs> it's okay, I'm not wearing pants either. Well, you're wearing pants, but uh, they're mine. They're <laughs> and I'm wearing yours. It's a comfort thing. It really is. Um, we, <laughs> I am wearing sweatpants, just so we're all clear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sweatpant time. Um, we got a message from Brie a while ago. Uh, Brie was saying that they'd visit with visited with their parents, mm-hmm. and uh, while she was there, she added. Uh, the box of oddities to her mom's podcast list, yeah, <laughs> which I think is just a great idea. Yes, <laughs> yes, you you should all do this. Yes, uh, this is your uh, your new task. Just go to your mom's house and uh, subscribe her to the box of oddities. Yeah, or strangers on the bus. J.K., don't touch your. That's not for you. Um, but uh, mom wrote back, I should have called you. I was up most of the night. Uh, Box of Oddities is fucking addicting. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Well done. So, yeah, you can help get the word out. I want to know if your grandma likes it, but grandma's not going to download it herself. Right. You have to help grandma <laughs> and your mom or whoever. It's already a little warm in here. Yeah, I'm taking my jacket off. Wow. We just got a new heater and it's magical. You can't hear it. No. Up until now, we've had to, because our our studio is in a downstairs bedroom in the basement. Well, it's, you know, a daylight basement, but it's right next to the furnace room. So we've had to actually shut the furnace off to record. And I don't think we'll be able to survive the winter if we continue that practice. Right. So we got a little heater. It's very nice. uh, But I'm actually, I'm already warm. So uh, this is great. Well done, sweetheart. Thank you. Great heater choice. Thank you. Now it is your turn to lead the procession today. Today we're going to talk about Emily Soje. Emily Soje. That name sounds vaguely familiar. Okay, so it's 1845. Different Emily Soje. And the daughter of Baron von Guldenstabel, uh, Julie, was attending 
an exclusive girls' school in what is now Latvia. Can we just reflect a, a moment on Baron von Guggenstabel? Is that how you pronounced it? Guggenstabel? Uh, uh, that is a magnificent... What a glorious name. Oh, it's probably nothing close to that. It's uh, Gold, Stub. Oh, I don't know. That's it's not anywhere near as cool. G, a U with an umlaut, L-D-E-N-S-T-U-B-B-E. You know how I love an umlaut. Yeah, I love an umlaut. Anyway, okay. So Julie uh, Guden, Gulden, Julie was attending an exclusive girls' school in what is now Latvia. It was a French-speaking school. And uh, she told a story about her time there to Robert Dale Owen. And he shared the story in his 1860 book called Footfalls of the Boundaries of another world. And this story was about Emily Sojé, who was one of Julie's teachers at this school. Robert Dale Owen was a Scottish-born social reformer who immigrated to the U.S. in 1825. He became a U.S. citizen. He was active in Indiana politics as a member of the uh, Indiana House of Representatives and uh, represented Indiana in the what I just said, U.S. House of Representatives. So um, he was a, he was an upstanding dude, and he also wrote books about the paranormal and uh, spiritualism at the Love time. It. He was very into it. And that was a period uh, in history where spiritualism was really gaining mm. some traction. It was a big deal. Yeah. Seances. So Julie told him this story, and he relayed it in his book. And the story goes like this. Emily Sojé was a 32-year-old woman who was teaching at this school in Latvia. She was smart, generally well-liked by students and staff in the school. However, she had been employed in 18 other schools over the past 16 years before she came to this school. That's a red flag. It seems like a lot, right? So the students soon found out why she had been moving around so much. It appeared as though Emily had a doppelganger, a ghostly twin, if you will. What? That would appear to others uh, at random. And hold down a job? The doppelganger did not know. Emily wasn't at one school and the doppelganger at another holding down a similar position, which would account for the 16 schools in 18. No, no, no. no. Okay. No, she had to keep moving because people don't want ghostly specters hanging around their children. Okay. So she held a position as like a teacher. Not so much like a teacher, but a teacher. A teacher. Yeah. Her doppelganger held the position of like a teacher. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but people would see her doppelganger just hanging out with her. Yeah. Wow. That's what we're going to talk about. That's so cool. Okay. So uh, Emily was teaching a class of 17 girls and she had been back to the girls and writing on the chalkboard or whatever it was they were writing on. I don't know. But she was writing out something for the class. And it appeared out of apparently nowhere, this doppelganger, this Emily too, mm-hmm. um, who started doing the exact same thing that Emily was doing. She was making the motions of writing for the class and standing directly next to Emily, making the motions, doing all the same things that Emily was doing. In synchronicity? In synchronicity. Wow. So it's al- it could almost have been like a parallel universe. Like we've talked about how 
the multi-universe theory, mm -hmm. sometimes the membranes of the universes kind of bump up against each other. And that is something that has come up. So, all right. So um, everyone else in the class could see Emily's doppelganger. We'll call her E2. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Emily herself could not. Wow. In fact, she never acknowledged that she had this doppelganger. Some say that the E2 had followed her throughout her life. While at play, Emily would might be playing with marbles, and the doppelganger would be there too. When she was a kid, people would see this. Yes. Okay. Wow. Um, the doppelganger would be right next to her doing the same things, except rather than actually having marbles, she's just making the motions of having marbles. Wow. And it was the same thing when she was a teacher. If she was grading papers, the doppelganger would be grading papers, but she wouldn't have a pen. She would just be making the motions of grading papers. So there are lots of places where you can find this story, but it's mostly the same information kind of rehashed and over and over again. Um, I wasn't able to find much about Marble playing Emily. Um, that may have been because her name might have been changed. And this comes from research by the Dark Histories podcast. They found a birth certificate from 1813, which matches up beautifully with the timeline of this story for an Octave Sojé who was born in the same city that Emily was allegedly born in. But Octave may have been an illegitimate child. And it was very common for adults to change their names um, if they had been illegitimate uh, to distance themselves sure. from that, what at that time was such a shameful thing. A shameful thing. So Emily's got this doppelganger, and it's said that Emily was a very capable teacher, very smart, very well-liked. But, however, this ghostly Emily would also be sitting there nearby, eating nothing, uh, imitating Emily while she did her daily work, sitting nearby while Emily is teaching. Just, you know, super creepy. Let me ask you this. In your research, yeah. did you find any indication that the uh, that E2, Emily's doppelganger, was aware of Emily? That's a great question. Not aware of Emily, but certainly aware of the other people around. Ooh, okay. So neither one of them were aware of each other, but everybody in the area, in the room or whatever... Was aware of them Was both. aware of them, and they were aware of... Okay. Yeah. That's... Wow. It's said that during these times, Emily appeared to become groggy or listless uh, during the times the doppelganger manifested. And uh, later it was discussed that it's possible that maybe the doppelganger was part of Emily mm -hmm. that um, was distancing herself from Emily's Essence? corporeal body, I guess. And that uh, maybe she actually had some sort of subliminal control over it. So, okay. All right. So what is a doppelganger? Today, we use it very loosely to just mean someone who looks like someone else. Right. Um, apparently, I have a doppelganger who works as a flight attendant out of Ohio or something like that. I was approached by a woman once who was losing her mind. She was like, you look exactly like, I actually think her name was Emily and that's weird. Oh, that is weird. 
huh? Shut up. But anyway, uh, but I've had a lot of people tell me that I look a lot like someone that they know. And, and then, you know, we kind of use the term doppelganger to mean someone who looks like someone else. Yeah. No, it's a German word that means what? Double. Double goer. Double goer. And uh, if you know anything about whether or not she goes. Is she a double goer, eh? Is she a double goer? N- know what I mean? Huh? Wink, wink. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Say no more. So uh, the double goer, the, the traditional German doppelganger, it's a ni- non-biologically related lookalike or double of a living person. And that is sometimes portrayed as being a ghostly or paranormal phenomenon. And most often they're associated with bad luck. So if you have a doppelganger appear, then that is bad luck for you. But if you see someone's doppelganger, that's also sometimes considered bad luck for you. Hmm. Interesting. So it seems like just everyone's fucked. <laughs> so one day... How do you say everyone's fucked in German? Um, I know how to say shit in German. Close enough. <laughs> uh, nearly a month in Germany when I was uh, 14... And I came out of it knowing how to say swears and foods. That's all you need, really, yep. to survive. <laughs> it's the basic handle one needs. Shit, on. give me some bread. <laughs> Scheiße. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, basic greetings also. But no, other okay. than that, yeah. you know, just, just swears and foods. Just shit and bread. So, <laughs> so uh, in 1846... It was summertime, and there were uh, uh, 42 students in the, the main hall of the school having a sewing lesson. And they were working away. The sewing teacher left the room to speak to a colleague, and in came Emily. But it wasn't Emily. It was E2. And this is the first time that E2 was seen away from Emily. And they could tell it was E2 because it was ghostly, you you know, you could see through because her. Because they could see out the window that Emily was in the garden. Okay. But did E2 appear solid? They said uh, that one of the students went up and touched her and said that her hand went through her mm. and it felt like cobwebs. Oh, that just gave me chills. That's awesome. So um, obviously you can, I don't know how they could tell if it was, if she was... I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, there, like I said, there's very vague information about this story. Um, and again, this comes from a singular source. It's been repeated many, many times, but it does come from a single story. Right. So, which I always find suspicious, especially considering that there were 42 question mark girls in this class and only one of them retold the story. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway. So Emily's out tending the garden, and E2 comes in and starts assisting the kids with their sewing lessons. So that was a little freaky for everyone, um, <laughs> I, I would imagine. And was this the first time that it was documented that the doppelganger was not doing the exact same yes. motions? Okay. Correct. So she's, she's gaining an independent consciousness. Right. And she's trying to burst through from her multidimensional existence into <laughs> ours. Like fringe. So after the incident with the whole garden thing, Emily said that she had, while gardening, had the urge to go in and she wanted to be the one to go in and teach Uh the kids the sewing. Uh So there is some 
thought or some there are some who think that maybe this was some sort of form of astral projection mm-hmm, instead mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. maybe Emily was had some sort of astral body that just really liked to tootle about and would respond to her inner urgings correct which could be really embarrassing in certain situations or very liberating diarrhea comes to mind well, I don't think anyone urges to have diarrhea. No, but there are urges that diarrhea brings that would make my astral projection go and project from my astral. So astral projection is a term um, used to describe an out-of-body experience uh, that the astral body is separate from the physical body and is capable of uh, going about and doing their own thing uh, throughout the universe. So Either way, um, parents started hearing about this and allegedly were pulling kids from the school. So Emily was let go. Um, and after this, the, the her last employment, her 19th employment, she was never heard from again. And I can't find anything about Emily after this event. There's that's nothing. She was let go. And that was it. Hmm. Until uh, Julie von Gutenberg uh, (laughs) told the story to Robert Dale Owen. Now, again, his is the only source for this story. And he was a spiritualist. It's also said that Julie Goldenstein uh, was also very into the spiritual and uh, loved the idea of being able to intermingle with Mm -hmm. spirits. Mm -hmm. So how... This event actually played out and then was shared from this person to this person to the masses is a little sketch balls in my mind. (laughs) Uh, But it is frequently referenced on the infowebs as being the story that we all know of Emily Mm Sojé, which I did not know the the story of Emily Sojé. Until Angelina sent it to me. Thank you, Angelina. Love you. Angelina. Hearts. 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 Angelina. Angelina. She said she's been binging lately, and she was like, look into this. And I did. And I was like, yes. Thank you. (laughs) Well done, Angelina. Yeah. So um, that is the story of Emily Sojé. And like I said, there are those that believe that it was some sort of astral projection, Mm -hmm. um, which makes a lot of sense. Um, More than, let's say, an evil twin might um, right. But I like your idea, too. And and it was mentioned in, in things that I read that it could be some sort of like uh, maybe Emily chose to go teach the sewing class rather than go to the garden that day mm-hmm. in a different dimension. And right, so right. there was that, you know, that dim- interdimensional There's a thinning, theory. a thinning of the membranes between the two universes. Right. The space between. Like that. Or it could have been made up. It also could have something to do with time travel, and I haven't really fully developed my hypothesis on this yet, but pretty sure everything relates to time travel somehow. (laughs) I read an interesting idea about it one time that, um, like in the movie uh, Somewhere in Time. I love that movie. Christopher Reeves. I love Christopher Reeves. He's able to go back in time by just concentrating through his his, the power of his mind. He was able to transmit himself back. And there have been experiments like this where people claim that that actually happened to them. 
One had to do with uh, somebody who was staying in an older hotel in Venice and was able to, uh, they thought, concentrate really hard. And when they woke up, all the modern furnishings from the hotel were gone. And it was, they were surrounded by like 14th century, you know, it was like a really, really old um, hotel or room. Exactly. Yeah. That's rock, me doing Rachmaninoff. Rachmaninoff from the Somewhere in Time soundtrack. <laughs> Which is one of our favorite movies, and we watch it every Christmas. It's true. Yeah. That whole idea of being able to will yourself back in time, uh, there goes hand in hand with that idea that when you do that, and you exp- if you do it within your own timeline, and you see you mm-hmm. doing something that you did in the past, for example. Uh-huh. That version of you in the past will will experience it as deja vu. Oh, yeah. right. It's like a little short circuiting. I can't uh, think of any reason why if I was going to time travel, I would go anywhere that I had ever been ever. Yeah, I don't want to relive all those disasters. No, thank you. I'm going to go see dinosaurs. Just don't step on the butterflies. <laughs> and now, that thing in the middle. On this thing in the middle, we're going to take you on an auditory tour of our studio Uh, These are weird things that are in our home studio that people have actually sent us. I love you guys. Number five, a raccoon penis bone. It's a real thing. Number four, a magnet that says, I heart Uranus. (laughs) (laughs) Number three, a complete collection of serial killer magazine. Number two, a giant bag of mutant jelly beans. And then number one, weird thing in our home studio that uh, you freaks sent to us, a butt plug Christmas tree ornament. Ho, 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 indeed. This room is becoming increasingly awesome. It really is. It's it's really starting to turn into almost like a little Ripley's Believe It or Not. I have so many cross stitches. People send cross stitches of like the pugs or freak flags or, or phrases from episodes. We have one. The first one we got, it's a, it's a crab, and the crab is saying, coming for your dick. Arr, arr, arr. <laughs> coming for your dick. This one says, what you got from me? We love you guys. Honest to God. You're so talented. Speaking of which, you're very talented. Why does my leg skin hurt? But not just all your leg skin, just where you have a scar. <laughs> yes, I'm yeah. sorry. I was not very clear about that. Right. So um, my, uh, the front part of one of my legs... I have probably five inches of scar tissue, and every once in a while, and it this, by the way, was like a 20-year-ago injury, so it's mm-hmm. not fresh by any means, um, but every once in a while, the scar tissue will like feel itchy and tingly, and this morning it was terrible, and it wouldn't stop. Why does my scar skin itch? How did you get the injury? Let's go back to that. Um, I was playing softball. It was a scrimmage, and I was wearing shorts, and I decided it would be appropriate to slide into second base. With shorts on. Yeah. Three days before my eighth grade prom, I had to go and buy a pantsuit. Maybe that's why your skin itches and hurts, because it's regretting the fact that you wore a pantsuit to your eighth grade prom. It was a cute pantsuit. It was pinstripe tan. (laughs) (laughs) It was very youthful. (laughs) The Box of Oddities. With Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. 
Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello everyone, it's here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is... Well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. You're listening to the Box of Oddities. The question is, why? Lauren sent us this message. Uh, a friend of mine had to have his nose removed. I heard your episode this about the um, body parts being grown. Yeah, you did think like you could grow an, like a, a nose on a forearm or whatever. Believe it or not, they looked into it. But with his condition, it didn't work. Aww. By the way, love your podcast. Listen every day. We appreciate that. And wouldn't that have been cool? Oh, oh man. That, I wish I that just, worked out. Yeah. We also got this one. This is fun because we get messages and emails from people commenting on episodes that we did like a year ago because uh, they're just catching up. Um, the episode, whatever it was, where we... Uh, told your Amazon Echo to put like butt plugs and things on there. <laughs> to this day we get we get messages and emails from people who like one lady said that uh, she was listening without earbuds while she was cleaning somebody's house and you know I said the name of the Right. add butt plugs to my shopping list and it did to her client's shopping list and then she had to try to remove it from the client's shopping list and which is hilarious. Just got this one. I'm at work. I work at a hospital in X-Ray, and I was telling my best friend coworker about the episode where you said, mm-hmm. 
add butt plugs to my <laughs> shopping list. We immediately heard a voice chime in, butt plugs added to your shopping list. Do it in your Alexa voice. Oops. I've added butt plugs to your shopping list. Apparently, uh, her supervisor leaves her Amazon Echo there at night. So <laughs> you think you have control over all the decisions that you make, right? That you're consciously making decisions from day to day. I'm going to do this. I choose to get that. It's either me or my doppelganger. Well, yes, that's a good point. Well, we're going to talk a little bit today about how grocery stores control your mind. I you think you're thinking for yourself when you go to the grocery store. Oh, no, you are not. They have stacked the odds against you to squeeze every penny out of you that they can. It's very evil and ingenious. These are some of the ways they do it. Please, yes. They spray produce with water to make it look more appetizing. And do you know why it looks more appetizing? I would imagine because it looks fresh and dewy. Fresh and dewy. That's exactly how I was going to describe it. Oh. Your, your eyes see that, and somewhere in your genes, you recognize that vision as, oh, these are fresh fruits that I just picked off the vine. Mm. They're fresh and dewy. But no, they're covered in wax and have been there for a while. Plus, the water adds weight, so when you're weighing your produce, they weigh more. That's true, too. That's why I always shake off my carrot greens <laughs> wildly about the produce section. <laughs> Uh, excuse me, ma'am. Would you stop shaking out your carrot greens in the produce section? Thank you. Oh, my glasses have been misted. <laughs> when you first walk into a grocery store, most often you are in the produce section. Correct. And that is by design. Number one, all the vivid colors. Yes. Of all the fruits and vegetables. It gets you salivating. It gets you salivating. And then after you go through the produce Normally, what's the next section? Bakery. Bakery. Why? Fresh bread. Mm. The smell of fresh bread. Shit, girl. Yeah. And then oftentimes you have the deli right there. That's and, right. And they're roasting chicken. Mm -hmm. So you walk in, you see all these beautiful colors in the fruits and produce. Then you smell fresh bread baking. Then a roasted chicken is... Uh, but then where do you end up? Junk food, candy, junk food, crap. They get you all primed for that, and then they sell you overpriced garbage or alcohol. Oh, yeah. Wine and uh, and various boozies in, in our grocery store comes directly after mm -hmm. the, the bread and deli, which is smart. Yeah. Um, I have to say, the smell of cooking chicken, like a rotisserie chicken, mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. one of those things that makes my heart hurt. I hate it. Uh, because I smell it and I'm like, God damn, that smells good. Uh, but And then you feel guilty. And then I feel so guilty. With me, it takes me back to holidays. Of course. The smell of a roast turkey, a roast chicken in right. the oven. It just reminds me of a kid and family all around fighting about politics. You know, <laughs> things like that. And there's something about like that kind of thing. Like, like, you know how celebratory food events always involve a lot of foods. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that goes into the the mindset of putting a, a roasting chicken in there as well as, you know, you, you want to get mashed potatoes too. Sure. You want to get stuffing. You want to get this and this and this. And, you know, there's something that's very 
in my mind, and I know this is part of my sickness and my addiction to food, is <laughs> there's something very loving about inundating someone with food. Yeah. Being yeah. like, look at all this food that I brought you. Now, no, and that goes back to our earliest days yes. uh, as hunter-gatherers. And you and I have commented on how we both are like that. We love each other with food. Oh, so much. When I want to tell you I love you, I buy you uh, Butterfingers. Last night I came home to hot pepper jelly and crackers. Yeah. <laughs> it was wonderful. And, and cream cheese. <laughs> it was the best. And by the way, if you've never tried that, hot pepper jelly and cream cheese on crackers, <sighs> I recommend that you do it. You know where you can find the crackers. The hot uh, pepper jelly usually is next to the bottled jalapenos. And the cream cheese, of course, is in the dairy section, which they hide in the back of the store because they want you. To, they know that you're going to get milk and cheese and dairy, and so they want to make you walk by again All more the, the chip section or you know the junk food in order to squeeze more money out of you. That's why um, end caps are a thing. Yes, that's absolutely right. In fact, that was on my list. Yay! They call them bookending aisles with uh, expensive product. End caps, like you said, at the very end of the aisle, they will always put, or oftentimes will put very expensive, sometimes seasonal items, you know, and, and so you're dry, you're walking by, it's Valentine's Day, for example, it'll have uh, really the expensive uh, ch box chocolates on the end aisle, because it's easier for dudes like me to just, as you're going by, just reach over and just knock it into your cart. Well, that's very sexist. Why is that sexist? Because you're assuming that dudes like you uh -huh. are the ones who need the end caps to remind them to get something. Well, that's true. It's not true. Well, you are a very loving and thoughtful person. I'm a guy who shops at stores with an abundance of end caps. <laughs> they also lower the prices of staple items. Like you can buy bread and milk pretty cheap at supermarkets. They make up for it. And all the other stuff, because it gives you a sense that everything is cheap, because these are things you buy all the time. Right. And so they keep them at a very reasonable low price. And so it gives you the idea, oh, the prices here are really good. And then you go to buy... That other thing that you don't yeah. get all the time, and it's much more It's much more costly. expensive. Got it. And they put those high-priced items near the entrance. For example, you know, the single bottles of like seltzer water that's imported from France, mm -hmm. various energy drinks, imported mineral water, things that are really expensive. They line those right up at the front. I always see the um, flower arrangements and cute potted cactus yes. and yep. such at the front, and it works. It does work. We have an abundance of cute potted cactus. Yes, we do. Again, it's easy for me to just tip that into my cart. Stop it. Um, but that's another thing. The flowers, they usually put those near the front of the store, too, or at least in the you know the first part when, you, when you're passing through. And the reason, again, is they're colorful and they smell nice, but they also curate smells in a lot of stores. Aromas in some stores are actually pumped in to the store. Oh, kind of like the way that uh, Texas Roadhouse fans out their steak smell into yeah. the atmosphere. Makes so when you... you're driving by, you're like, do I need steak? <laughs> yes. Is it's, that it's very smart. What's just happened? They did a study on the size of shopping carts. Have you noticed that shopping carts, I mean, they have the little smaller ones, but have you noticed that shopping carts have gotten much bigger over the years? I have not noticed that. Well, 
You're not paying attention because they oh, have. Well, that seems rude. They increased the size of the shopping cart by 50%. And the idea, of course, was that uh, bigger carts would mean bigger or more purchases. The test subjects ended up buying 40% more goods to fill the extra space. Wow. So that's why shopping carts are a little bit larger. If you go to a smaller supermarket, we'll have, you know, they'll have the baskets that you can carry, and then they will have shopping carts that are not real big, but, but you know, big-ish. Then you go to a major chain supermarket mm-hmm. and compare the size Sure. Of the large shopping carts there. That is by design. They're giving you every opportunity to buy stuff conveniently. And that's just smart, even though it's manipulative. Also, giving out free samples. Even people who don't normally eat junk food are out shopping. And maybe there's like a little sample thing that they're, they're giving out. They're more apt to try it if it's a free sample. And they're hoping that that will convert you into becoming more of a junk food person or, or, sure. or whatever. And it works because people don't feel bad about, oh, I'm just going to try a taste of it. Right. That was one of my dad's favorite ways to entertain me on the weekends was take me to <laughs> a store where they had samples. Like and a Costco just, or a Sam's. Walk around and here, eat this. Shh. <laughs> okay. Smells like tires in here. <laughs> Yeah, those big box stores like like Costco and Sam's do have a weird smell. It's a combination of like hot dogs being cooked on the rotisserie mm. in the food area and tires. Yeah. It's really weird. Yeah, it makes me miss my dad tremendously. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> stores also place kid-targeted products at a lower level for of obvious course. reasons. Like the, uh, you know, Finding Nemo macaroni and cheese. That's within kids' reach for sure. Of course. Interestingly, though, that is also the place where they uh, put the generic brands. They act- they literally hide them at the lower levels. So the lowest level, you're going to get the cheaper generic brands. It's not quite eyesight, right? right. Slightly above that, you're going to have all the kid-targeted stuff Mm -hmm. so that the kids will put it in the cart. And then the more expensive brand name stuff is at your eye level. I think it's also a um, psychological thing to have to reach down to get food rather than reaching up. I always yeah, feel like yeah. that the higher up, the better or cleaner it is. The it's you like, know, it's a ridiculous thing. No, and of course, it's not true. No, but, but you know what? That's an excellent, excellent observation because maybe that has something to do with you know what's in our genetic makeup. Hey, the apples on the tree are probably better to eat than the ones that are down on the ground. No, that's true. That makes a lot of sense. Plus, I get my stretching in for the day, so that's nice. Although I saw a woman in the chip aisle, uh, because that's you know where I start my shopping experience. Of course, uh, who was reaching up for a bag, like one of those uh, party size bags of um, tortillas? Uh, yeah, the scoops. Yeah, and she's you know maybe a little shorter than the average considered average height. So my height. She's reaching up and reaching back and leaning into the chip rack. Mm-hmm. As she's doing that, she sneezes all over the Doritos. Oh, no. Doesn't cover her mouth. Nothing. Literally, her face was three inches from this bag of Doritos. (laughs) And then she gets her scoops and leaves. And my God, really? That's why I 
I didn't come home with Doritos the other day, sweetie. Yeah, I saw you had Cheetos instead. <laughs> I had Cheetos. It's an interesting choice. It was lower down on the shelf. Sure. Also, sales stickers. Be aware of sales stickers because they can be very misleading. Supermarkets, they use like the you know brightly colored stickers to show sales. Hey, 75% off or whatever. Sounds like a good deal or a buck off. Sounds like a really good deal. But the price usually is based on weight. Not on packaging. Oh, sometimes if it's a if it's a deal on a big heavy item like a bag of flour, uh, that's a, a pretty good deal. But if it's a, a lighter item like you're buying, a, you know, a bag of Doritos that somebody coughed on, it's negligible. There's really no no gain there. Hmm. You know what always gets me is the um, closeout sale stickies. It's like, oh, there's only going to be a few more of these and they're on sale to get rid of them so we can put new merch in. And I'm like, well, what if I love that thing so much <laughs> yeah, and I'll yeah. never know unless I try it right now. And then it won't be available right? if you love it. I don't go that far into the future. I just go into like my immediate needs. <laughs> because that's the mindset when you're shopping. Yeah. I get that. They like to play easy listening music too. Of course. And the idea there is to keep you calm and to linger in the aisle a little bit more. If I, the longer you're in the store, the bigger the chances that you're going to spend more money. I remember the first time that I heard um, Lose Control by Eric Carmen uh, after many, many years was in the grocery store. Mm -hmm. And I think I called you and I was like, oh, my God. And it was the best day of my life. In our grocery store here in Maine, they don't play easy listening. They play songs that were top 40 hits, but usually by one hit wonders or songs that even though technically there were hits, you never hear much on the radio right. anymore. You know, I'll be shopping for asparagus till you're back here, baby. That's not how you sing it. Miss and we all you. Know it. Oh, yeah. Shave your back hair, baby. <laughs> I have this thing where I change the words to all the lyrics and annoy everybody who loves me. All right, you're checking out. Have you noticed that the checkout lanes have gotten narrower over the years? I have not noticed that. That is another strategy. They don't want you turning around and putting items back. They don't oh. want you to go, oh, wait a minute, can I squeeze by you? There's no room to squeeze by somebody. But what if you want to put more in your cart? I think that they probably have figured the statistics work in their favor. Got it. By, by doing that. But then you just get people who take things out of their cart and leave them on the side of whatever, which is so annoying. Some people do that, yeah. Most people, I'm sure, they have figured, will just say, oh, fuck it, I'll buy it. <laughs> they also line the checkout lanes with uh, quick grab items like candy bars and magazines. Sure. And, and again, at kids' eye level or kids sitting in cart eye level, mm -hmm. uh, stuff the kids want. And that's by design as well. Of course. I used to call it Temper Tantrum Alley. <laughs> I do love that a lot of grocery stores now have signs above the aisles that don't have candy. So it's like candy-free aisle and you can take your kid in that aisle. Really? So that, wow. you know, they won't be tempted to jam Kinder <laughs> eggs into their faces. <laughs> oh, you're so loud. They're really ready for dinner. Yeah, we've got to go feed the dogs. Listen, you guys, we love you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, don't forget, tickets to our two live shows are available on the website, theboxofoddities.com. We're in Washington, D.C. We're, we're in the nation's capital on the 29th. Of, on the 29th. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Willie. 
on the 29th of January. And then on, yes, the 29th of February, it's a thing. It's Leap Day. We're in Bridgeport, Connecticut. We hope to see you at uh, one or both of those shows. Yes, please. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those I report to to beseech you for assistance. The Box of Oddities is free. We ask but one thing of you. To provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Are you interested in the parts of history that remain a mystery? Do you want to learn more about the historical myths and misconceptions used to prop up false belief today? I'm Nathaniel Lloyd. In my podcast, Historical Blindness, I delve into all of these topics, sharing puzzling tales from the past and examining hoaxes, conspiracy theories, and misremembered events that provide insight into modern politics and religion. New episodes every two weeks. Find Historical Blindness on most podcast players and platforms.